Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OrthoBullets podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Lyme disease found under the pediatric section at orthobullets.com. Let's begin with a quick summary. Lyme disease is a systemic infection caused by tick-borne Borrelia burgdorferi, which usually presents with flu-like symptoms, a characteristic rash, and occasionally acute joint effusions. Diagnosis is confirmed by a history of travel to a tick-heavy region, presence of erythema migrans rash, and a positive Lyme titer on an ELISA test. Treatment is usually oral doxycycline for acute or mild disease. Now let's get into the episode. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that this is the most common tick-borne illness in the United States. There were 9,931 cases in 2006, and most cases occur in June, July, and August. Demographically, it demonstrates a bimodal age distribution, with peak incidence in children between 5 and 9 years old at a rate of 8.6 cases per 100,000, and another peak incidence in adults between 55 and 59 years old at a rate of 7.8 cases per 100,000. In terms of the geographic locations, this is commonly found in the Northeast, Midwest, and Western United States, which are areas with heavy deer populations, in Maryland to Maine, where there is a prevalence of the Ixodes scapularis tick, in the Great Lakes region, where there is also a prevalence of the Ixodes scapularis tick, and in the Pacific Northwest, where there is a prevalence of the Ixodes pacificus tick. In terms of the pathophysiology, the mechanism of transmission is zoonotic, that is, it is transmitted from non-human animals to humans. Remember that mice, squirrels, shrews, and other small mammals are carriers of B. burgdorferi. The Ixodes tick feeds on these small animals and the spirochete is carried in its gut. Humans become infected when bacteria is injected into the skin as ticks attach to feed. And remember that transmission takes 48 to 72 hours. In terms of the pathophysiology, this is caused by B. burgdorferi, and the tick saliva with the spirochete disrupts the local immune mechanisms. The spirochete creates a protective environment and the bacteria replicate. The spirochetes then multiply and expand within the dermis, causing erythema migrans, which is a rash caused by the host inflammatory response. The spirochete then undergoes hematogenous dissemination to multiple sites, such as the skin, central nervous system, and joints. In the joints, it induces an inflammatory response which may result in synovial hypertrophy, vascular proliferation, infiltration of mononuclear cells, and immune complexes which accumulate in the synovial fluid. In terms of the pathobiology, Remember that B. burgdorferi induces chondrocytes to produce matrix metalloproteinases. This causes degradation of extracellular matrix proteins, collagen, and proteoglycans, and this may contribute to cartilage damage. Now let's discuss the classification of Lyme disease. Stage 1, which demonstrates a rash, is considered an early localized disease. This occurs 1 to 30 days after the bite. Erythema migrans, or the bullseye rash, is a hallmark, and the rash may be found on the head, neck, arms, legs, back, abdomen, axilla, groin, and chest. Patients will present with flu-like symptoms such as fatigue, headache, and malaise. In stage 2, where there are neurological and cardiac effects, the disease is considered early disseminated. This occurs weeks to months after the bite. It progresses to stage 2 in 15-20% to of untreated patients. Neurologic symptoms may include cranial nerve 6 palsy, cranial nerve 7 palsy, lymphocytic meningitis, migratory polyarthritis or monoarthritis, tendinitis, bursitis, and Lyme carditis is relatively rare, but patients may have a cardiac conduction abnormality, and symptoms may include syncope, fatigue, dizziness, shortness of breath, and palpitation. 
the prognosis is good with complete resolution following treatment. Stage 3, which demonstrates arthritis, is considered a late disease. This occurs months to years after the bite. It occurs in 60% of untreated patients. The arthritis is usually in the knee and may demonstrate swelling disproportionate to tenderness, intermittent arthritis, and chronic monoarthritis. Some patients may progress to acrodermatitis chronica atrophicans. Moving on to the presentation. A patient's history will typically involve a tick bite in May through November. Symptoms may include fever, headache, myalgia, arthralgia, or fatigue. Neurological symptoms may include headache, neck stiffness, and encephalitis, facial cranial nerve 7 palsy, which may be bilateral in 50% of patients, unlike in Bell's palsy, and a polyradicular neuropathy, which may present with numbness, paresthesia, weakness, and cramps. Some patients may present with carditis or complete heart block, with acute joint pain, and with acute or chronic arthritis. On exam, one will note erythema migrans or a bullseye rash in 60 to 80% of patients. This is an expanding rash greater than a 5 centimeter diameter one to three weeks after the tick bite. The rash may itch or burn, and it typically fades after one month. It is particularly common at the axillary or gluteal folds, at the hairline, or near elastic bands such as from a bra strap or underwear. One may also note acute self-limiting joint effusions, typically at the knee or shoulder, and these may be recurrent. Some patients may also develop acrodermatitis chronica atrophicans. This is referred to as quote-unquote cigarette paper skin. It is typically seen on the dorsum of the hands, the feet, knees, and the elbows, and it is typically seen in older patients. In terms of further studies, serum labs may demonstrate a normal or elevated white blood cell count and elevated ESR and CRP. An ELISA test is sensitive but not specific. It requires two steps. If the ELISA is positive, then one should proceed to a Western blot, which is specific. Seroconversion takes weeks to become positive, and a prior Lyme disease might have persistently positive results. Also remember that vaccination gives a positive ELISA, but a negative Western blot. CSF studies in patients with polyradiculitis and a cranial nerve 7 neuropathy may demonstrate increased protein and a lymphocytic pleocytosis. A joint aspiration or synovial fluid study may demonstrate 10,000 to 25,000 white blood cells, which is lower than bacterial septic arthritis, and there will be a PMN predominance. For a skin biopsy culture, one can culture on a Barber-Stenner-Kelly medium, and one should use the skin edge punch biopsy from erythema migrans lesion. One can also perform PCR studies. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about bacterial septic arthritis. Features that favor Lyme's disease over bacterial septic arthritis include an ability to bear weight, normal serum white blood cell count, and lower synovial fluid white blood cell count. With regards to treatment, non-operative options include oral antibiotics for mild disease. Remember that in endemic regions, if the erythema migrans rash is present, then one should start antibiotics without blood tests. Specific medications for adults include doxycycline for 10 days, amoxicillin, or cefuroxime. In children less than 8 years old, one can use amoxicillin and cefuroxime. Another option is IV antibiotics. This is indicated if there is arthritis or neurological involvement, or in patients whose symptoms are unchanged after oral therapy. Specific medications include IV ceftriaxone or cefotaxime and IV penicillin G. Operative options include synovectomy. This is indicated for chronic arthritis not responding to IV antibiotics. And lastly, complications related to Lyme disease include persistent joint pain. Remember that patients may have a slightly increased incidence of persistent joint swelling despite therapy. Another complication is chronic Lyme disease. This may result in disabling musculoskeletal pain, 
neurocognitive symptoms, and fatigue. And the last complication to keep in mind is chronic arthritis, although this is rare. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Lyme disease, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 13-year-old boy presents to the emergency department in Rhode Island with knee pain for three days duration. It was atraumatic in onset. He has been afebrile. Upon physical exam, he is noted to have a tense, swollen knee and a target lesion. An oral course of antibiotics is selected as definitive management. What antibiotic would be most appropriate for this patient, and what is its primary mechanism of action? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Doxycycline, and it inhibits the 50S ribosomal subunit. Choice 2. Doxycycline, and it inhibits the 30S ribosomal subunit. Choice 3. Cephalexin, and it blocks cell wall synthesis. Choice 4. Cephalexin, and it is a folic acid inhibitor. Or choice 5. Rifampin, and it is an RNA synthesis inhibitor. The best answer to this question is... Choice 2. Doxycycline, and it inhibits the 30S ribosomal subunit. Doxycycline is a first-line treatment for Lyme disease arthritis. It works to inhibit protein synthesis by binding to the 30S ribosomal subunit. It also binds to the 50S ribosomal subunit, but to a much lesser extent. The differentiation between Lyme arthritis and septic arthritis is often very difficult and has important treatment implications. In patients with Lyme disease arthritis, and no carditis or meningoencephalitis, oral antibiotics are the first-line treatment. Either doxycycline, amoxicillin, or cefuroxy may be used for a 28-day course. However, if septic arthritis is diagnosed, immediate irrigation and debridement is advised. The publication by Smith et al. reviewed the orthopedic implications of Lyme disease. They state that Lyme arthritis should be treated with a 28-day course of doxycycline or amoxicillin for 28 days. If therapy fails, IV antibiotics or arthroscopic synovectomy may be considered. The publication by Willis et al. reviews 10 cases of acute arthritis presenting a septic arthritis that were eventually diagnosed with Lyme disease. They recommend the rapid one-hour Lyme EIA in areas where Lyme disease is prevalent to avoid unnecessary irrigation and debridement. The publication by Maluski et al. reviews a cohort of patients with either Lyme arthritis or septic arthritis of the knee. They find that children with septic arthritis are more likely to have a higher peripheral white blood cell count, a higher joint fluid cell count, and more likely to be febrile and refuse to bear weight more commonly. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Macrolides, chloramphenicol, clindamycin, linazolid, and streptogramins inhibit the 50S ribosomal subunit. Choice 3. Penicillins, cephalosporins, vancomycin, beta-lactamase inhibitors, Carbapenems, estrianam, polymycin, and bacitracin inhibit cell wall synthesis. Choice 4. Sulfonamides and trimethoprim are folic acid inhibitors. And choice 5. Rifampin is an RNA synthesis inhibitor. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 10-year-old boy is referred to your office for knee swelling. The swelling began after he returned from summer camp in Catskills, New York, and it has come and gone over the past several weeks. He has full range of motion that is painless. Joint aspiration is drawn and sent for analysis. Which of the following likely corresponds to the causative agent? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Gram-positive cocci in clusters. Choice 2. Gram-negative rods. Choice 3. Gram-positive rods. 
Choice 4, a fluorescent stain demonstrating a spirochete. Or Choice 5, an acid-fast stain bacteria. The best answer to this question is Choice 4, a fluorescent stain demonstrating a spirochete. Intermittent swelling with painless range of motion and a history of camping in the northeastern United States suggests Lyme disease, caused by Borrelia burgdorferi. Borrelia burgdorferi is a spirochete transmitted by the deer tick Ixodes, which is native to the northeast United States, but also has been reported in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and northern California. Clinically, erythema migrans or a bullseye rash can occur, along with fatigue, fever, and headache. The knee typically presents with an effusion and painless range of motion. Diagnosis is confirmed via an ELISA test. The publication by Smith et al. outlines the epidemiology, diagnosis, and treatment of Lyme disease. Highlights include the common physical exam findings, including erythema migrans or a bullseye rash, painless effusions, and a two-step diagnostic test that includes ELISA and Western blot. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Gram-positive cocci in clusters, indicative of Staph aureus, does not cause Lyme disease. Choice 2. Gram-negative rods, indicative of Pseudomonas, does not cause Lyme disease. It is typically associated with ventilator-associated pneumonia. Choice 3. Gram-positive rods, which is indicative of Propionibacterium acnes, is typically an indolent infection found following shoulder procedures. It does not cause Lyme disease. And choice 5. Acid-fast bacilli causes tuberculosis not Lyme disease. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 10-year-old girl has had non-traumatic swelling of the left knee for the past month. No other joints are swollen and there is no history of fever, although the patient's mother does recall the child having a localized but expanding target-like rash a few months ago when the family was vacationing in Connecticut. Examination of the knee reveals moderate swelling with no tenderness and near full range of motion. The child lacks perhaps the final 15 degrees of extension and the final 20 degrees of flexion. Laboratory studies demonstrate a normal CBC count, but the erythrocyte sedimentation rate is 35, with the normal range being 0 to 20. Anti-nuclear antibody tests and rheumatoid factor tests are negative. What is the most likely diagnosis? Any answer choices are Choice 1. Acute rheumatic fever Choice 2. Septic arthritis Choice 3. Transient synovitis Choice 4. Lyme arthritis Or Choice 5. Gout The best answer to this question is choice 4, Lyme arthritis. Lyme arthritis is associated with a tick bite and is endemic to certain areas of Connecticut. The earliest presentation of the disease is manifested by erythema migrans, which is the classic expanding rash that occurs at the site of the tick bite and can develop within one week to one month after exposure. Joint involvement with manifestation of Lyme arthritis can occur months to years after the initial infection. Most patients have single joint involvement with the knee being the most affected site. Lyme arthritis is a low-grade inflammatory synovitis that can present with large and relatively painless joint effusions. The most effective treatment is with a single four-week course of oral amoxicillin or doxycycline. That's all for this review about Lyme disease. We hope that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session from OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on orthobullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the OrthoBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. 
If the OrthoBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.